0: I guess I'll introduce us. Into you said you said you were going to. You said
1: you said on the text to me. Uh, we're we're going to do the show at ten. You 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 run you would uh, drive. So you're, yes,
0: that's what shows what, already what, off the rails Meaning drive. Drive means I will do what Jeff does. That's what that means. No, that's not what that means. That's what that means. We'll have a yes. long
1: series of meetings discussing this. No, no, wrong. Jeff
0: is not here. Mark Furra and John Pelkey are here, as you can see. We're already fighting. Like this is the equivalent of the Denver couple. this is the
1: equivalent of the Denver Seattle Super Bowl. you just snap, snapped the ball over my head and now we're just, you know, we're scrambling. So you're Peyton Manning in this scenario. <laughs> I would say I, like I would. I like be, it a lot. I'd rather be the center than Peyton Actually, Would you really? Be Peyton oh, I'd rather course, much rather be Peyton. Much Manning. rather be Peyton Manning,
0: obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen what centers look like ten years into their career. Although no. Randy Cross did a nice job, and then of course he fell back, and you know a lot of them lose that lose that all that weight and uh, become very very fit, but yes. a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't, Johnny.
1: All right. Apparently, uh, we don't have a lot of time because you've got uh, obligations that are more important than
0: talking about the Super Bowl much well, I mean, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl for, for for about an hour for crying out loud. I don't know if we need to talk about it too much more than that. Is I that know, enough believe- in
1: the 867 hours of pregame that we're being given? Is that enough? Exactly.
0: For God's exactly. sake. By the way, I
1: watched I, too Derek, much. Derek, if you ever want to have a lot of fun, go back and watch old Super Bowl uh broadcast. They have them now. Yeah. I watched the broadcast of Super Bowl 6 <laughs> and they had an hour and 10 minutes. For pre-game, and with this little countdown clock, and Jack Whitaker just wandering around the field, it is absolutely hysterical where that started and where it's come to this
2: point. But yeah, I, I did watch. I did watch Super Bowl thirteen. I was actually talking to it about about it with my dad. How John Stallworth wasn't even in bounds on this on the one catch. That's his. That's his guy. Oh yeah, I know. Up. And I told him I was like, you know, he wasn't even in bounds. He got pushed out of bounds. It was the rules at the time. There's like commercials for spam. Um, yes. It was uh, it was really interesting. I think I watched like trap and like 116 plays of just trap by the Steelers <laughs> and split back with the receivers in a three point stance. What That's the against the Cowboys, right? Cowboys Pittsburgh yes. Steelers 13, yep. yeah. We uh we, when I was in high Jackie
1: school, Smith, sickest man in America. Oh, poor Jackie Smith on Hall of Fame career in St. Louis. Right. And that happens to him. It's yep. funny because you bring up the three point stance. When I was in high school, my senior year was the fall of 81 and I uh, was a wide receiver and a bad one at that. But we so desperately John Jefferson was my hero at that time. Look up John Jefferson, great receiver of that mm-hmm. era, Green Bay and San Diego. And, you know, everybody by that point, wide receivers stood up, there, there were, yeah. you know a handful of guys in three point stances, and we begged our coach, please let us let us stand. But nope. So all <laughs> through my, my whole career in football as a wide receiver in high school, three-point three point yeah. stance. <laughs> Super Bowl six. It's there's only one apparently sponsor. And it's um, Black and & Decker. And every commercial is led in by Charlie Jones, longtime NBC play-by-play guy Charlie Jones, wearing a brown leisure suit that is just absolutely to die for, uh, if you if you love uh, throwback stuff. And it is so very quaint, Mark. I know you remember that. I'd forgotten how quaint it was until I started watching that. Yet we digress because we Mark I, has more important obligations. And, you know, Derek again, and I here... Uh, having good fellowship, talking about old football and Mark's
0: like, Hold on, I I've, I've gotta go. All right, go ahead. Well, I I think the only fellowship is between you and yourself, actually, at the moment. That was just this ranting, long monologue about 1972 or 76. You've met me, right? You know know what my show is like. Exactly. (laughs) So the fellowship was, it's a bit hyperbolic to say there's fellowship. Wow, hyperbolic. Got ourselves uh, a reader. (laughs) You and Derek here. But I will (laughs) say this, that the three-point stance, can you imagine, Derek, if they are in the three-point stance and – you could hit him. I mean, they would never get off the line. They would never get off the line. I Jam mean, receivers would be- all the way
2: down the field. You could do all these other things, and uh, it was so funny because I'm watching this, and I'm and I'm also watching and kind of prepping for the show as well. And I'm hearing this in the background, and I keep hearing this reoccurring name that I heard later in life. His name is John Banizak, who was my head coach in college. And it's so funny to watch him, like, celebrate after a tackle because that's exactly how he would celebrate as a coach as well. Arms flailing in the air. (laughs) Uh, He's just a maniac. And it's he brought the same energy as a head coach, too. It's so funny to watch. He's the same guy. I think Banazak is, if you've ever watched the great, I'm sure you've watched the America's
1: games, the NFL films, yeah, that are, which are just tremendous, one of my favorite series ever. They really are. And they're, they're not showing, usually on the NFL network, they start showing them back-to-back during Super Bowl, and they haven't done that yet, so I'm, fingers crossed they're going to do it over the weekend. But Banazak is one of the guys they interview. It, they run out of Steelers that you've heard of, at mm-hmm. a point, and and Randy Grossman and, and John Banizak end up being guys that they are, but they're both so great, and it's such a Mike Wagner as well. Now, people might know the safety yeah. Mike Wagner, but uh, it, it's so great. And you're right, Banizak just strikes you. If you wanted to put together a 70s overachieving football player, Banizak is yeah. your guy. Uh, it just, just
2: terrific. But, hey, that, uh, that camera angle on him, too, and that. <laughs> you can get him, like, right above the chin he's got this <laughs> look in his eye and it's, it's so funny <laughs> and
0: it's always oh, like, great he's really to like <laughs> now, that, oh, that might have man, been your dad's dude. favorite. That was a, a real key Super Bowl for the Steelers, if you think about it. Remember, coming in, they had won two and Dallas had won two. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Miami had won two, Green Bay had won two. No one had won three yet. And it was between Dallas and the Steelers, arguably the two best teams in the league. And that's when Hollywood Henderson had all of his comments about America's team, as well as Terry Bradshaw couldn't spell cat if you spotted him, the C and the T. And um, Hollywood Henderson, you know, karmically did not have a very good run after that. I think he's back, uh, you know, back on his feet right now. But won the lottery later in life,
1: Hollywood Henderson later oh, in life won right. like several million dollars in the lottery. Right. So this story is just one of the great stories uh, of all time. And he and Tom Landry had this sort of, uh in the end developed this amazing relationship and Landry really supported him when he was getting over his uh, drug and alcohol issues. But the, the other funny thing about that, Derek, is you bring up a good point about talking about that Super Bowl and that the, you know they're running nothing but the same like counterplay every time it's, is that Tom Landry suffered, Mark, in championship games against coaches that basically didn't do what a lot of, you know, take what they give you. Vince Lombardi and Chuck Noll didn't take what they gave you. They just did what they did best. And those were the teams that Tom Landry struggled against because they had all that multiple set, multiple offenses. I mean, you know, they were very, very groundbreaking with Chocolate. motion and things in uh, for, for Dallas. But Noel was a little bit Lombardi-like. And Lombardi always said about Landry is he said, you know, in a tight game, He's going to try to do too many things well, and we're just going to do what we do well, and that's what kind of upset them. But those cowboy, you know, those cowboy Steelers Super Bowls were just the storylines behind that, and everything were just too good, just too good. Now I wasn't pulling for them the next
0: year against the Rams. All I was right. pulling for the Rams. Yeah, I was pulling for the Rams, believe it or not. And I, you know, grew up hating the Rams, but that was such a fun story. And it was Ray Malavasi and Chuck Knox had much better teams. No one could uh, never get there. And No one Cromwell had such a
1: great career. I remember him in college as a quarterback and then, you know, it was kind of
0: pulling for him, but
2: it wasn't going to be because Jack Youngblood played with a broken leg, I believe.
0: Yep. Go Gators. Jack Youngblood. And there, and they were ahead going into the uh, fourth quarter of oh, the were game. Ahead, and was the defensive Rams.
2: MVP, <laughs> John
0: Binasak. Well, <Yeah. laughs> that was Stallworth. That was all Stallworth that game. And, yeah, and, and Bradshaw coming up clutch. And and that's the thing, John, about what they did. I mean, they were just ground and pound you, you know, in the in the first two Super Bowls that they won, and then the second two Super Bowls, it was all about Swan and and and, and Stallworth as well. Yeah, now, Swan had that great catch, I think, in Super Bowl. Uh it might have been which one? What it had been ten? Ten, Yeah. Yeah. Great one. But uh, 78 and 79 seasons were much more about the air attack. It's because they caught up and they real,
1: to to Derek's point, a lot of teams had caught up with what they do. And they, you know, that was the great thing the Steelers had, isn't You know, and you think of them as that running team, but with Stallworth, and I would agree with your dad, and you have no idea how painful it is for me to utter that sentence at any point in time. But uh, as Swanee was uh, great and he was very, he was. Flashy, and he could not make the great catches. But John Stallworth was as complete a wide receiver and a big man playing wide receiver at a time when they weren't always that big. What a, what a great player! And you're right, Mark. He, uh, he just uh,
0: not, he was a nightmare for the Rams in that in that Super Bowl. Yeah, and they took advantage of the rule changes. Those those first yep. offensive rule changes happened in '78. So they the were Donnie the Shell rules to no, take. What? to take advantage of them. Yeah. It was yeah. really uh, amazing. So they they did a great job. All right. Well, let's let's talk about <laughs> not Super Bowl 13, although we could talk about that forever. 10 yes. and 11 as well. 13 oh, and 14 was what we're talking about right now. Uh we can talk about Super Bowl 55 and the fact that coming into this, Derek, uh you, you have uh, laid out a lot of plays that Kansas City does, a lot of things that they do that just confuse defenses. They uh defenses just get overwhelmed. By their talent, by their play calling, uh, they get overwhelmed, they get confused. There's so much defenses don't do right when it comes to playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, yes, Tampa has a great front seven and a really very, very talented front four. But I just don't see uh, defensively, and that's the first question I have. Defensively, what what are the priorities, what, what are the first things that that Tampa has to do and has to do all game. They can't let up ever. Uh, you know, in two days from now, we saw the nine, Niners had them held to ten points halfway through the first, halfway through the fourth quarter, and they ended up giving up thirty-one. So, what do they have to do all the way through the game? Well, it's it's so interesting.
2: Like the the obviously the front for for the Bucs is their strong suit. Um, and then, obviously, the, the Chiefs not having two starting uh, right and left tackles as well is huge as well. But when you have a quarterback that can take a 15-step drop and, and and drop a nuke on you from wherever point in the field, it's a little bit um, – changes the game a lot, per se. Um, I think, like, defensively, you know, they they did a bunch of – they did a variety of things in that Week 12 matchup that Todd Bowles just threw the kids sink at him. Some cover two stuff. I mean, really the first play of the game, I just thought it was hilarious. And they actually ran a variation of it about three different times during the game. They brought Tyreek Hill in jet motion, came across, and then um, Kelsey's in a wing. He comes and looks like he's going to, you know, uh, that split zone action that we talk about where he kicks out the uh, other side end. He slips him and goes to the flat. Well, Tampa's playing like a cover two in the corner, it tries to sink, and he'll just outruns him on a wheel. For like a you know twenty yard gain on the first play of the game, and it's like, oh boy, this is going to be a long day. And then like, I mean, Mahomes just does these things that just are, are just rule breakers and. I mean, it's almost like u- universe shattering. It's like what you tell your kid not to do growing up as a quarterback. Mahomes just does these things, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. That's now you'll not have now, And I, and I tweeted about this, and I was like, now you'll have all these quarterback gurus all over all over the country teaching kids how to throw underhand, and all this not. <laughs> Son, you're not Mahomes. But like the other one was like you know Tyreek Hill's running a go route in versus cover two again and the corner's sinking on it like he is getting back and Mahomes is late on the throw and he still gets it into the cover two hole between the safety and the corner it's like how do you guard this guy now what they did do in the second half which I thought was pretty interesting was they almost went to like a uh what uh what Belichick would call and you hear this all the time where it's like one double ten which means like cover one double number ten So uh, you hear the NFL film stuff with like when he's talking to Chad Johnson in the pregame. It's like, oh, we're going to one double 85. That's the call. Well, like Todd Bowles kind of did the same thing in like this weird, funky looking formation where their defensive structure where they had like two safeties standing next to each other. And it was like cover one, like but double Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and then put your two best corners on their other receivers. So I think in the second half, Mahomes only threw for about 100 yards and they scored 10 points. So it had some success. Mm. I don't know that that's something that you could do on a consistent basis. You need to only be able to get there with four because if you send pressure, you're really playing Russian roulette with like a nuke. Yeah. And, you know,
1: you brought up the good point, Derek, because what everybody's focusing on is the uh, the offensive line injury woes for, for Kansas City and the fact that. Uh, Tampa Bay is very good up front, and they have those guys who can get there with four. But again, the problem you run into with Mahomes, and it's really interesting on NFL Network, they had a plot chart of Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, where they ended up, where their uh, release point was on a pass when they dropped back to throw. And Tom Brady's looked like you know Robin Hood at a, an archery contest. It was literally this tiny little pinhole that where he is literally within three steps of every release is within three steps in the pocket. Mahomes was just spread out. I mean, it was all over the field. So in addition to getting the pressure though, and this goes back to, we're going back to like Springfield boys club uh, back in the seventies is that uh, the contain for the defensive linemen are almost as important as, you know, trying to bring him down because to your point, you've said this many times he gets outside of the pocket and he's even better. And more importantly, you've got now your defensive backs have to uh, cover for a longer period of time, and that is literally impossible against him. But that said, you said no exotic blitzes. We Earlier this week, we were talking stay away from ter- terribly exotic blitzes. That said, you're going to have to blitz him here and there and come after him. Um, in your mind, how is it? Is it? It, it, they, good linebacker play in uh in, in Tampa Bay uh but how creative do you have to be with those blitzes i mean, Spagnuolo is particularly good at that really um disguising what they're going to do thing probably a little better or a little more consistent in that than Tampa Bay is it bringing defensive backs back side is it something with the problems that they're having tackle on the offensive line do you think it's more of a coming up the middle with linebackers what kind of blitzes albeit in and not often but what kind of blitzes would be most effective given the fact that he can get out of anything he's a unicorn yeah. blah 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 but where would you come with the pressure
2: when you had to do that well one i think you got to hope for one of your guys up front that has like an immediate win um i would probably say in the red zone as well just because I mean you hear it all the time. Well, everything's quicker in the red zone, which is true. Yes, yeah. you want to you want to quick you want to speed up his process, obviously, um, and then maybe force a bad throw. It's not necessarily bringing him to the ground is the point. It's that you want to influence the throw right. more than anything else. Um, off the edge, maybe a nickel pressure, something like that, out of a nickel package or a dime package. Because I think if you do it out of base, it's even tougher because now you have one less. DB on the field that can cover one of these, you know, track stars. Um <laughs> but getting that immediate like just a win here and there, I think, you know, I, I was talking to to my head former head coach Andy Johnson down at Boone High School. Um and he was talking about man, they got to get him, like they got to influence him, uh, influence a throw at least six times this game. Maybe get him on the ground a couple times and I think that that's the way to do it. Um but like these immediate rushes and you're going to get them every now and then, but again, you know, he gets away, you're playing Russian roulette with a nuke, like you blitz him five times, one of those is gonna end up being a touchdown, you know. Um, and I don't he didn't really blitz Mahomes that much in the first match either.
0: You know, it's interesting. You say this, dropping 15 yards back and then mm-hmm. throwing a, a nuke. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's the thing. I Even it. if they do everything right and you get pressure on him and he is forced to literally run backwards for 15 yards, makes a step to his right, and then connects with Hill 44 yards downfield, it just feels like there's nothing you can do. And it feels like that's going to be it. Your, your defense yeah, it, is gassed, and, it, and they're just thinking that, that – it was like
2: that clip that I actually sent you that's been kind of going around that, especially from the coach's camera, um, the all 22 angle. Mm-hmm. of Mahomes dropping back. It's like, oh, God, if you just see him into a back pedal, just man, hold on to your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes something wild. He he took he yeah. like stepped off of his wrong foot through sidearm back across the body over a defender and hit whoever it was. I think Michael Hardman or Hill over the middle of the field on the like opposite hash. And it's like the, these things shouldn't happen. I was telling yeah. you, I was watching Da Vinci Code, and they were talking about like the flow of Jesus, and I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think that throws in the gospel. I mean, <laughs> there's some of these throws, some of these throws that he makes, are just unbelievable. Like, and it's not like every clip that he throws, you could make it, you could, you want to post it on Twitter, but yeah. people are so like desensitized from it. Like the one. In that game as well, he threw around a guard sidearm like Carl Mays from the Red Sox in like the 1920s. Like just completely just, oh, here you go. It's a 10-yard completion. Well, we've talked about that before. His baseball background, he throws the ball like you would a shortstop
1: or a second baseman turning a double play where, you you know, you've got to change your arm angle. It doesn't matter. You have to – and he is – you're right. I mean, there's nobody who's better at that than he is. If you don't mind, Mark, I'd like to switch over – I want to I
0: wanna I want to say one more thing about this, and that is that there's a there's a uh a line of thinking, at least with a couple of writers that I've read, that uh want uh is advocating advocating Todd Bowles to look at the Atlanta Foul, look at a division rival and what they did to the Chiefs. They held the Chiefs to 17 mm-hmm. points because yeah. they had these. I guess what they call it is sim pressures. Yep. It's, it's different from zone blitzes, but not. It's it's in the same family as zone blitzes, but it it can confuse the line. And mm-hmm. there was there was about a half a dozen plays. To your point, Derek, you got to do about five or six of these where you confuse the line, and and what ends up happening is that there's a lineman or sometimes two that have no man to block because they don't right. know yep. where they are, and and you can get in on him. And, you know, it's, it's that whole idea of, of stacking the a gaps, six guys across. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's defensive linemen going yeah. back to the <laughs> coverage and maybe a corner blitz at that point in time. But it's interesting. Raheem Morris was in charge of the defense at that point in time. He was still the defensive coordinator for the Falcons and really figured out some stuff. And I, I you know, I don't know. I'm, I, apparently Detroit figured some stuff out with the Rams that Belichick stole and to, mm-hmm. to, to hold them to three points in that Super Bowl and there's been another example as well and I'm just wondering do you think that kind of do you think do you think defensive coordinators do that do you think uh, you know do you think there are ways to figure that out and to to borrow to beg and borrow even from divisional point opponents
2: yeah absolutely and it's a way of looking at it it's like okay this is what they did how can we put this into our game plan within the structure of what we do defensively Um, I mean, you're still going to get got. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But, like, there's – I mean, that sim pressure stuff is true. I mean, that causes so much issues for O-line. You go with that double mug pressure, that double mug look, and Buffalo did it too, where you have to force your line to slide one way or the other. But that comes from game planning and understanding who's going to drop where, where are they leaving a void, because Bulls does that void pressure stuff as well too. And then, you know, I think the other thing too is what Bulls did – uh, like versus like Breeze and stuff. And this is more for quarterbacks that can't run, but you almost want to force him to run Is playing like that cover two man stuff um, where you play, have the two deep safeties and then everybody plays man trail technique underneath. Um, you know, I think that that's maybe something that they kind of toy with a little bit as well. Sim pressure play two man. Um, you know, if we lose fine, but we're going to let Mahomes run eight times and, and get hits on him in the game. I mean, he still has the foot stuff. I'm sure it's fine now, but still, I mean, it's, you'd rather, you rather have a hit on a quarterback than just let him sit back there and just do whatever he wants and then just sling the ball over the field. But, I mean, I don't know. That's the two-man, maybe, you know, the one-double 87 and 10. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's just really choose how you want to die. I mean, and, and I was in a conversation with Nate yeah. Tice about it on, on Twitter, and he was like, yeah, like, choose how you really want to die yeah it, it is difficult and it's funny because
1: you know it's a yeah okay let's look at a week six game against atlanta and somehow i think kansas city might be a little more uh up and uh, uh energetic in, in the super bowl because we talked about them you know kind of coasting and i know that's anathema to a lot of people but it, it's going to be a, a different thing um all right I, I do want to switch over to the other side because we were talking about what the offensives do and um uh, one quick thing that our uh, uh, he spoke of the gospels. Well, he may not be uh, the Lord, but uh, Greg Cosell is. Uh, I, I don't know the Apostle Peter or something because he is he's, he's the man, and he was talking about what defenses have to realize is when Kansas City uh, goes in motion before a play. They're not. That's not the reason Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay goes in motion so Tom Brady can dissect what the defense is going to do because Tom Brady beats you essentially before the snap, because he's figured yep. out what you're going to do. And so Pat, Patrick Mahomes is a different animal altogether. They're doing that to get leverage, because the one thing that they're not is a big team. That's why we're talking about the red zone, Mark. Uh, they talked about one of the weaknesses that Kansas City would have and why they've developed all these really el- elaborately uh, fun motion things is because they, they can't really just muscle you at any point in time most of their guys skill position players are smaller but that was something uh that co said just remember they're doing that not to di- diagnose what you're doing they're doing it to get leverage so think of it in that terms i want to jump over to the other side though because you talked about cover two with uh, trail technique underneath stuff and um i uh mark and i the other day were talking about uh you know who, who could be the MVP, and saw discussions about outside of the Brady Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. And I said Tyron Matthew is a guy because he just seems to always be around the ball. And I saw something interesting, and I just want to ask you about this, is uh, it, they broke down their defense and they said one of the reasons that Matthew uh, does, uh, it seems to always be around the ball, is when they run cover two, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a linebacker run that trail technique and, and end up with those tight ends, because you're looking for a, a mismatch there. And you know, if you have a good pass catching tight end, you can find that mismatch on a linebacker or however it works. But that Matthew is really the guy who's got that underneath coverage in the in the uh, in in the cover two. Uh, are you in agreement that that's one of the reasons? Is that as and he is phenomenal, and he's a great football player. But they scheme so well to uh, to put him in a position where you would normally be uh, trying to beat a linebacker. Instead, you're beating this guy who's so
2: much better in coverage. Yeah, so in their cover two stuff, and they kind of play it where it's like it's a Tampa two. Mm-hmm. where You have the middle of the field player, and usually the middle of the field player runs with the number three receiver. And it was funny because watching the Cleveland tape, they had lot the whoever the linebacker is, number 93. That usually is the whole player who would turn to the Furthest side threat is, well, essentially 93 for Cleveland just turned around and ran to the goalposts like every play. It was pretty funny <laughs> to watch. Um, looked like a center fielder for the Pirates. But for Matthew, like they play this Tampa 2 coverage, and Matthew is essentially a robber player. He's right. a very instinctual player, reads quarterback's eyes. That's how he got the pick against Cleveland. Um, when Baker rolled out to the right and tried to find Jarvis Landry, Matthew just stepped in front of it and just picked it. Um I was talking to Fabian Washington, too, and he was talking to Ed Reed, and Ed Reed had been watching film, and he told Fabian, he was like, this guy reminds me of me a lot, just because of the instincts, the way that you can fool things, too. And I think that the way that Spags just draws stuff up, I mean, schematically. Think think reverse Brandon Staley So for the Rams. So remember when we talked about Brandon Staley, like it's a lot of too high stuff. Everything looks the same. You could roll to everything. Well, it's like bizarro Brandon Staley where it's like a lot of one high stuff, But then they'll shoot sorenson back and they'll play cover two or they'll play quarters you'll do all these different things and and spags like i I made the comparison like the more i watched it the more i heard of like brady sitting in his house for two weeks watching film (laughs) trying to figure out like this spags enigma because right. Spags just throws blitzes whenever he wants, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's like you know, it's like the Dark Knight plot where you're just trying to figure <laughs> out why the Joker's doing this. And it's like, well, Spags just wants to see the world burn and he's gonna send a quarter blitz on the first play of the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love it. Like that's I mean, that's like what he does. Like, I mean, now he'll obviously do some other things and play, you know, cover three and or spot drop stuff and um and things of that nature. But I mean he's gonna send pressure, especially versus Brady. And
1: Nick, I was going to say, Mark, and that I'm sorry, Steelers, but that that is the thing. Against Brady, you want to speed up his clock. You want to make sure, you know, he's got to get rid of the ball. He's not comfortable when he's getting getting rid of the ball. And the other thing with Spagnola, it was really interesting watching the film stuff on this, is when you talk about uh, motion, that defense uh rotates and moves incredibly oh. late. Yep. And you know, you watch the, the film, Mark, and for people who are listening who may not you watch a lot of film, and you see that you know, Brady will come up to the line. Uh, he'll make uh, protection calls. He'll let his receivers know what what he's going to run. He's picking out the Mike linebacker and all of that sort of stuff. Well, then Kansas City allows you to do that, and then they all move immediately and throw you into disarray. So really, uh, the the Spagnola thing works as well against Brady as anybody because, as we said earlier, Brady's dissected it before the snap of the ball. He's going to go through his reads, but he's pretty sure where he's going to have the open man. Um, and, uh, to your point, the chaos theory of defense. Is like you know, all right. It's uh, first and goal on the eleven. I'm calling the punt block defense, and all of a sudden, you know, the uh, you're just staring at it, going, Jesus, what in God's name? If someone had a stroke, what do we do at this point? You know, um, but that is um, you know one of one of the reasons as well when people ask uh, asking who do you think is has the upper hand in that, and you talk about how great the offenses are. But I think that that sort of, and I'm going to call it that now. Steve Spagnuolo's chaos theory defense is really the thing Brady would least like to see. He'd love to see what the Rams do more than he would what he's what he's going to see with Kansas City cuz he can more easily dissect
2: it. Yeah, and if you remember too that Spagnolo was the defensive coordinator in Super Bowl 41 for the Giants too when they got all that interior pressure and that was kind of like the book on Brady that. Well, when you have a guy like Chris Jones that can create that interior pressure, really Spags can scheme up, you know, where where chris jones you know their, their interior their line is usually i mean it's for the bucks it's kind of their weakness so find the weakest guard find find the center in a certain look or a certain scheme and put them on them um i think the other thing other thing too with some of the stuff that bags does um and this is with all the great quarterbacks and so we talk about rolling late really the time that you want to look at this stuff when there's four seconds left on the play clock because when there's four seconds left, you got to roll into your stuff. You can't be late on it, right? So really that's the time when you do it against Manny, against Brady, against all these guys, four seconds left on the play clock. That's when you're gonna start seeing all this movement and stuff. And obviously, you know, Tampa's gonna try and manipulate it, you know, have Gronk split out, bring him back in, all these mm-hmm. different types of things. So I think that that's where it gets really, really, there's a, a, a chess match to, to be had there. And I think too, when you're sending all that pressure as well, Think like back in the days with New England with Julian Edelman and Amendola and like when Brady saw pressure knew where was coming from, he's throwing hot. He's throwing those little why hot juke routes. He's throwing options. He's throwing the the quick slants. It it doesn't always look like that Brady and his receivers are on the same page with some of these things. So when they send these pressures, like Brady wants to get the ball out, but his guys aren't always looking. So it's not always like he's on the same page with them all the time on these kinds of things. Can they be now? I'm sure they've had a whole year to get right. a lot of these things sorted out. But I like one of the Ma- one of the Matthew picks in the last game was like that. He had pressure, Brady got rid of it. I think he hit someone's back of someone's head or something like that, popped up into the air, and it was picked. So those are the kinds of thing of like. Okay, knowing where you're sending pressure, knowing the void that you're vacating, and then knowing where Brady is going to want to throw back into that pressure. So it's like a, I know that you know that you know that I know. So it becomes like, okay, like now it's a pure just chess match. You would have thought that I put the poison in your glass, but yeah. instead I would have put it in Michael's, but I
1: would have known you would have done it. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And, and I and I tell you, I thought about this yesterday. I said the probably the most enjoyable way for me to watch this Super Bowl, if I could actually give into it, would be record the entire thing and pause it a second before snap on every play and just look at it and go, okay. Have they confused it? You could tell, you know, you, you'll you'll be able to tell. I think Mark maybe a little bit, you know, when Brady is struggling to dissect what they do, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it just makes it such a uh, such an amazing chess match pre snap for these. Uh, and then, by the way, let's throw in that you have all that pre snap stuff, and then you know, as many skill position players on the field as we've ever seen in a Super Bowl on both sides. It's it's just well, crazy. It's the really matchup think- we
0: had to see. I really think that they're their only shot. I mean, if, if Kansas City gets pressure on Brady, and we've seen the stats, when he when he doesn't have any pressure, his QBR is like third in the league. He's, he knows exactly, to your point, he knows exactly what he wants to do with that ball ahead of time, and he gets it to them faster than any quarterback. I think he gets rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in the National Football League. Yep. But when there is any pressure, his QBR is down to like nine points. It's like the second to the worst. And it's gotten a little bit better in the playoffs, but it's gone like from four to nine. So if they get pressure on him, this is a blowout. This is, a, this is an absolute blowout. But if Tampa – you know plays the way they've been playing three games on the road looking very very good that that's the that's in my opinion the only chance they have to win this game is is well, to have it be you know whatever that game was a few years ago against against the Eagles where there was one punt in the entire game it's literally up and down the field for both you know for both teams i, that leads I don't me know into- how i don't know of any other way they could possibly win
1: well, that leads me into this question, Derek, because I know no one other way that they could possibly win, and that is to be able to run the ball incredibly effectively. If you can run the ball incredibly effectively, then you can—you you, know—you're not worried about <laughs> pressure on your quarterback and everything. Can Tampa Bay, and they've got some talented guys doing that too. Tampa Bay, if they are able to ground and pound a little bit, um, then that would be a thing in my mind that would slow you down because now it's just you know you're putting your helmets on their helmets and you can over over physical them. Sure, you're going to run some you know some some exotic things with your running game, but Derek, is that it? I mean, Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay comes out of this with uh, 165 yards on the ground. Doesn't that, as a statistic, looking back, wouldn't you go, they probably had a little bit of success in this football game.
2: Yeah, and, you know, you almost want to think back to that 2018 AFC Championship game with New England. That New England turned into, like, a 2004 power football team with Gronk using as an extra tackle. Um, I think, you know, and... I think when if Bruce, this is Bruce Arians, what first time as a head coach in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Bruce Arians is not going to go down in a Super Bowl running the ball thirty times. He's Bruce <laughs> Arians, and he's got Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. He's not going to go down going like that. I think that this is still a shootout. I think that they would like to control the clock, but I mean, their their run game isn't that varied. It's not that creative, anyways. I mean, they're going to run duo four hundred times in the game. And we talked about that, and it's so funny because, like, I was watching the, the Super Bowl press conferences, and, you know, Arians even talked about it. He's like, oh, well, you know, we, we just run 22 double, and, you know, we just build our offense off of that. And it was like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's, like, pointing at the TV. I was like, yeah, I know that. I know that. That's duo. That's duo. We talked about this duo play for four weeks now. Right. I mean, and, and duo is essentially for for people that are that don't know. It's essentially it's a power. It's a gap scheme play without the pulling guard. So you just get two double teams in the interior. That's what they do. They run split zone. They run, you know, inside zone. I mean, that's that's who they are. And then, you know, their pass game is all like, you know, we're throwing a million-mile-an-hour fastball at you. We're just going to stretch the field. We're going to throw these deep crossers. And that's what Brady likes to do. He likes these full-field reads where he goes left to right, throws crossers to Gronk. And you saw him have that big catch in, against the Kansas City uh, team uh the, the week 12 game where he threw like a 40 yard seam ball. That was just yep. a beautiful ball um, in between split safeties when they were playing, I think like cover two, I want to say. Yeah, um, and, and that's what a- we talked about that guy carrying down the middle of the field. Right. Is it, it, it was a defensive end instead of Matthew because they had set that play up throughout right. the game where he's, he's Gronk is out. They motion him back in and then he ends up being a blocker for whatever else they want to do. And then they eventually got him down the seam. And I mean, if you watch Gronk on film, he kick steps a lot better than some of the linemen in the league right. right his pass set is is up there with some of the better offensive linemen in the league and like when they go 12 personnel it's so dangerous because it could be really 11 personnel it could be a true 12 you can have Gronk in as as a um as a, as an extra tackle and then use Cameron Bright as a tradition as a receiving tight end he's pretty effective in that sense so and it forces kansas city to go into like their you know their base package and it's like okay well now we got to cover these guys we don't want to waste a guy because gronk is in so there's it's definitely a chess match and that play you're talking
1: about, that's a pretty common thing that they run, right? Because if I'm remembering correctly, the play you're talking about, Mike Evans is a split end on that. And he goes deep, so he drags the safeties back deep or or the man who's covering him, depending on what kind of coverage they're in. Gronk runs that middle, uh, that drag across the middle, and then you have the running back in the flat. And it's the old Steve Spurrier thing where it's like, you know, we have three levels, which whichever which one's open, that's who we get the ball to. Um, and, but that, that's kind of a bread and butter for uh, for Tampa Bay, isn't it? That's something that they uh, that they're going to do you every time. Again, they're going to try to do to you because Brady's worked out before the snap where the weak link is probably going to be in the coverage. Um, yeah. So uh, that yeah, they uh, I, saw, I saw that play about four thousand times this week when they were yeah. talking about what they could do. But I get back to Mark. Here's the thing, and and, and Dar- Here's the thing is now that I've 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 deemed the chaos theory defense. Everybody else knows what you said about Bruce Arians, that he's going to go down throwing the ball 35 times. I say get into tight eye, get into double tights, get into something, and show them something you haven't shown them before Mm. just to give them something to think about. Because, again, I think really what what Tampa Bay has to do to the Kansas City defense most particularly um, is make them think pre-snap make them think before so they can't react as quickly. And I would think coming out and trying to power run uh, would be, you know, it's not, it's unexpected. And in this game for Tampa Bay, Mark, to your point, they've got to do some things that are just unexpected Um, because if you just line up and go with what normally you do, you're probably not going to be able to keep up
2: with Kansas city on the scoreboard. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I mean, if you, if you truly stick to running the football, and trying to control clock and then you go down and kick a field goal open possession and kansas city throws a freaking bomb on you on the third play of the game and you're going oh god this is turning into a track meet and we didn't break our track shoes so pick how you
1: want to die yeah but I do I do think I would say this, I do think the one thing about that is if you and you're right, can and, and the the whole thing, and I mean this is just so you can't settle for field goals down there. You get in the red zone, no. you gotta score touchdowns against them, there's no doubt. Because you're right. They can come back and have you know, you can have a twelve play eleven minute drive and then they come back and have a two play seventy nine yard drive and score on you, now you you know, you're up against it again. That's um exciting. Yeah, but I, I, I again, you, I know, I, I said it the last time where somebody was saying, okay, so you, you limit his possessions, but he scores 35 points on the possessions that you do give him. Um, you're going to have to stop that as well. But I do really think that, if, again, Mark, uh, if Kansas, excuse me, if Tampa Bay is going to win this game, their time of possession, I think, is going to have to end up being much greater than, uh, than Kansas City's.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about, how defenses have beaten great offenses in the past and Bill Belichick did it in two notable Super Bowls the first one against the bills the first one against the bills where the bills had an offense that no one had seen in, ever really that efficient of that kind of offense uh up and down the field great passing game phenomenal running running game and you remember those drives at the New York Giants Bill Belichick was the defense coordinator then, of course, but the uh, the drives they had were eight, nine minutes long. Yeah, OJ Anderson, the, the New York Giants, and they were and they were able to keep Jim Kelly and that explosive offense on the bench. The other one is the Rams and the Patriots uh, following the 2001 season, where the Rams were the greatest show on turf, and I think that uh, ball game ended up being 24 21 or 2017. They had them in check. They had him in check, and they were able to uh, ball control. You know, ball control their way to a victory. And if you if you remember that, that's how the Patriots did it. They were ball control, and they were defense in those early years with Tom Brady. Until later on, when he became, you know, when he had a little bit more weapons around him, and could then have the kind of explosive offense where he could keep up with these teams. Uh, We'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. Most of the Super Bowls that they've played, I think with the exception of the Rams game, which was thirteen to three. If I'm not mistaken, John, now granted the 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 Philly game was six points, but it was one possession. It right. was one possession. Right. Every other game they've played, it's been three to seven points.
1: It's been a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and,
0: and it's always been close. And if it's close, then anything can happen with Tom right. Brady.
1: And I think the wild card in this and the biggest is is the Steve Spagnola thing because as the de- defensive coordinators go to Derek's point. I mean, it's just he he's gonna keep you guessing as much as anybody, and that's uh you know, that's the thing that if, if he can keep uh Brady guessing, then I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really, really long day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cause they they just they, they need to score a lot of points, but they need to score some of those points on to your point, Mark. You know, nine-minute <laughs> drives. They can't. They can't. They can't get out there and and get into a video game shootout.
0: In my mind, it's, well, it's and that's exactly what they little. did uh, in Week Twelve. Derek, you saw that Week Twelve. I think Kansas City had five hundred eighty total yards. Tampa Bay had four hundred eighty total yards. Both teams had well under a hundred yards on the ground. So that's all it was. It, was, it yeah. was the kind of Madden game that you hate, John Pelkey. Yeah. It was week 12. And Thank I anticipate, you. frankly, I anticipate the same kind of game. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think the tone – before we get your prediction, Derek, what's the tone of this game going to be? Is it going to be throwing something different at the, at the wall and see if it sticks and have maybe uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of ball control attempts and a lot of running attempts? Or do you think it's going to be a, a track meet? I think it's going to be a track meet. I mean, if you go back and watch the film and, and even the
2: the TV copy of that game, it felt like Kansas city was really in control that game for the majority of the time. And the score was closer than the game really indicated. I think Tyree kill had like 200 yards in the first half. Um, I mean, we, we haven't even like talked about the Kansas city offense because like, we just know like what they're going to do. And, and you get really two coordinators that are really three with Byron Leftwich and, um, Bulls and Spags that are just gonna. Hey, this is this is what we do. This is this is what got us here. This is what we're gonna do. Now, obviously, Andy Reid's gonna throw some weird pirouette formation down at the goal (laughs) line, or you know, those are really the things I think. For the key for the Bucks is to really play between the twenties, to try and steal a turnover here and there, and then when you get down to the red zone, like really make them earn that touchdown. I mean, make them earn points. I think that's the only way, you know, like I said, get that cheap pressure. You know, let you know, JPP or, or one of those guys, Shaq Barrett, just went off the went off the jump and maybe steal a sack here or there or force a bad throw or an interception or something like that. I mean I mean, because yeah, if, if they have only weakness,
1: as everybody says, the one weakness that Kansas City was has, they can't power football you in the red zone. They've got it. They've got to break out a little bit of it, the, the pirouette stuff for that. The one thing that I do need to point out, our good friend Lenny sent us because he always has the statistical breakdown is Super Bowl. Number 10 for Brady has never had a first quarter lead. It's never on Brady.
2: That's out I don't believe either. What's that? I don't believe he's ever thrown a first quarter touchdown either.
1: He hasn't scored a total of 3 points total in first uh, quarter of all 9 games combined. Um it's so you know and that's kind of again what we talked about with Brady is it's like he's not only dissecting play to play, he's dissecting what are they doing in the macro, what are they doing in the larger and by the second quarter he's got that all figured out. But uh, yeah, I I I I think this game's going to maybe play out mark a little bit chalk for a Brady Super Bowl, which is we're going to get to the end of the first quarter and it's going to be – it's not going to be a high-scoring affair at that point. We're going to be like, okay, well – and then it's going to turn into, uh, you know, a a basketball game. It's going to be – Yeah,
2: especially when – and this has been the talk of sports radio and and sports podcasting for the last two weeks. So um, the big formation for the Chiefs is that one-by-three that we've talked about on this podcast where they put Kelsey on the backside – of um of a trips and then they put Tyree Hill in that number three spot, um, which is what they did in the in the last Super Bowl with Wasp. Um and, and they run a variation of plays off of that that just stretch the ball down the field and like it puts so much stress on these safeties. And I was texting one of my buddies back and forth. I sent him a, a clip of the game and the safeties are like 30 yards back. I'm like, what do you call this? Is this like three sky? Like, what is this? And he was like, no, it's three cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I Just don't even know how to cover this. I mean, I mean, Tyree kills running down the middle of the field, be Cole Hardman's running to the dig grout. The other guys running basically a scissors on a, on a, you know, on a, out or corner and he sits there and it's like Mahomes is going to take a seven-step drop out of a gun and then fling the ball down the field. And if you flood that entire trip side, now you have Travis Kelsey backside one-on-one on a corner. And what he did to Denzel Ward is he put him in a blender – In the uh, in the (laughs) divisional round, I mean, it's just you can't. It's not even fair because you can't even treat Travis Kelsey like a true tight end. He is an X receiver. The way that he runs routes, the way that he just, I mean, sinks his hips, gets in and out of cuts, makes all these catches. It's like really that weak side safety. So in a figure split safety set the backside safety of the three receiver side is going to be a key to a lot of this stuff, because if he's starting to like, you know, call four cross or four strong, where he's looking at Tyreek Hill in the number three hole, Mahomes is probably just going to go backside one-on-one to this uh, Travis Kelsey on a corner. Fine now if, you know, he's going to play that half and, and play the Kelsey side, now Mahomes can work basically three on three to the trip side And pick your poison. So that really, I think that backside safety is key to a lot of these different things and a lot of these different reads. Because, like, like I said, like wasp is the play off of it. But really, it's Tyreek Hill on the deep crosser that they actually scored on in first Tampa, where Hill takes this quick little jab step off the line, puts a guy in a blender, and then just runs away from him (laughs) like the track meet. And then Mahomes hit him on a deep crossing route, I think, for a touchdown in the last game. And I think that's where he, like, did the backflip into the end zone or whatever. But, like, the play off of that is where he goes across and then comes back. That's Wasp. So, it's like so many, all these different things. And their offense is just so freaking explosive. I think their run game is going to be, like, the cherry on top of their offense. Like, hey, you're going to give us a run look. We'll run the ball. So, they might run the ball maybe 10, 15 times a game. But it might be for 12 Thirteen yeah. yards pop, just yeah. because it's like, hey, you're giving us a light box, and you're so terrified of Mahomes taking the top off. We're just going to run counter and, yeah. and pick up eight on <laughs> on a random play. And you want to try and sit back and take away the top off? Fine, we'll just throw underneath to Tyree or to uh, to the, probably the best underneath player in all of football, and Travis Kelsey. It's yeah, it it just seems so un
0: unfair. Uh, it, in it is. <laughs> Take your way to die it, yeah. it it really does I just don't I just don't see it the way you talk about the offense Derek it, it's as if you know Andy Reed finally has every piece he possibly could could want to just decide what he wants to do and to have it, to have it done that he literally gets to just stretch his Andy Reed brilliant offensive brain and and yeah. it just gets to land in whatever direction he fantasizes about because he's got the personnel to do it. Right. And he's, it's, he's it's not like, doing it with James Thrash and whoever
1: he had to do it with in Philadelphia. And I love James Thrash. I've interviewed him many times. Great guy. But, yeah, he's got too many toys. The one thing, though, and I do want to get back to it because Derek mentioned it right up front, is uh, the offensive line issues for the Kansas City Chiefs might be a little bit of a, a, a of an equalizer there and again coming up against the this Tampa these guys from Tampa can get there um, with four and they've done it against offensive lines that weren't beaten up um, but I will say this is the my least favorite place to have been over the last two weeks would have been in the defensive backs room for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers cuz you're just I don't know what you're to your point Derek they can only do so much. You can't cover guys for seven, eight seconds yeah. all the time. And Mahomes has the ability to do that as well as anyone. And and when Derek was saying earlier, you know, affect the throw. Well, with him, it doesn't matter if he has to throw it between his legs,
2: if he has to throw it behind his back, and he has to throw it left hand. He can he can do that as well. So uh, I, want, I want to make the point too that when you're watching this game, and it's hard to see on the TV copy sometimes because it's so down the line. If they show the back end, the um, the offensive line basically cut, watch how wide the Chiefs' offensive line splits are. Like, they're wide, wider than most at the NFL level, you would say. But a lot of that has to do with because they know that Mahomes can get so far back and create a lot of these plays. So, like, the book is very get pressure with four, right? But a lot of that has to do because Brady doesn't make plays of structure. You want to right. rush him from the interior and not let him step up because when he steps up, that's when he's deadly. He's got a clear vision. Same thing with Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, a lot of these guys. So you don't want to say, okay, you got great defensive ends. That's fine. But your tackle just kick step wide and just lets him run upfield. Okay, now Brady's just going to step up. That's fine. But with Mahomes, you can get a great rush upfield, and he's still five, six yards behind. Like he still has all these different things. Like there was a stat that I saw that they are top ten in pass efficiency versus every coverage. Their worst coverage, their pass efficiency, they were like ninth. And it's cover zero. It's just straight main coverage, blitz coverage, which ironically, which what Spags does. He just blacks out and runs cover zero um, at it when they go empty. Like ah, empty blitz everyone. Um, but but it's like those little things it's just like man like he breaks rules he he just doesn't understand and then obviously like you know we've said he's Thanos he's inevitable like you're gonna get got you gotta take your wound you just gotta lick your wounds and then you gotta figure out how to how to steal a play from him because some of these things that he does I mean I, I sound like a complete fanboy right now but it's like all the things that I grew up with of like, don't practice bad mechanics, this sidearm stuff, don't do, don't throw off your back foot. And Mahomes just takes all that crumples up and watches it straight into the sun.
1: Well, I think the interesting thing, and I, I heard they, um, uh, Sean Payton was on uh, NFL Network this week talking about Mahomes and how much they liked. They had the next pick, by the way, in the draft uh, that year, and they were in love with him. He said they went to watch his workout, and it was the best single workout he's ever seen by a player anywhere at any point in his career. And he's like, uh, let's get out of here before any other team see we're watching this guy. Um, but talked about, you know, the one thing that they talked about with Mahomes coming out of college was because he has all of those physical gifts, because he can do all of these things that no one else can really do is that people assumed that he was undisciplined and that he couldn't yeah. be taught to do things within structure. And what it really came down to is if you're the head coach at Texas Tech, why bother spending hours on scheming an offense and trying to with all these things because you have this this guy, and uh, he ended up in exactly the right place because he was with a coach that didn't, that could give him obviously great coaching, and he's learned a lot from Eric Bieniemy and and Andy Reid and all of that. But he still maintains the ability to work outside of the play. So when he drops back to throw, he's not looking to do one of these between his legs, but he's looking to do whatever was scheduled. But then once the schedule is thrown out the window, he's you know, if, in a military parlance, Marky's Audie friggin' Murphy. It's and like you, all of a sudden, let me strap the machine gun on and take four uh, uh, hand grenades, and I'll take every bunker. You guys just stay here, and that's just I, – I don't know how you defense that.
2: You could see the progression, too, and the learning, too, of him, of the pre-snap stuff. There's a clip in the, in the Week 12 game, too. Of, they're in that one-by-three set with Kelsey on the backside. They have a guy pressed on Kelsey, but they also have a defender – in a deep third over top of the corner. And then you have the middle of the field safety and they're really like, there's nobody over Kelsey. The first in, or there's nobody over Hill in the number three spot. The first inside player is Devin white. And then there's a nickel outside the number two. And then there's a corner, obviously the, he sends bell on the other side and he sees this corner. So typically when you get two guys in one area, something's up, that's not normal. Why, right. why are two guys in one area? So I'm sure he saw pre-snap, that guy's coming it's a corner blitz and we're running into this well we don't want to run into the corner blitz Mahomes snaps the ball you can see the offensive line move like like it's a run play and even Le'Veon Bell's like why didn't I get the ball and he just basically takes the ball throws his sidearm like he's like a gunslinger in like the wild wild west like pulling (laughs) out a gun just hits Tyreek Hill on this little five-yard little stick route and it takes another like 25 yards yeah. Like any play for them could be a big play, but that's like the pre-snap progression of him understanding this is a corner blitz. I'm going to throw back the other way. Cause they're outnumbered. I'm going to put Devin white in a terrible spot because now he has to play the run and he has to try and get back and try and cover Tyreek kill. And you can see white. He's like, uh, what do I do here? Cause like he takes two hard steps, opens up the window, he'll catches it gets North and South for 20 yards and then now you're screwed. Now they come back to it again, and then Le'Veon Bell gets like eight yards on it.
0: All right, so I I have to I have to leave right All now. All good. All good. No, no, no. I'm I'm, and I can I can keep y'all on the show. I can do that. I can leave, and you guys can continue the show. And well, why haven't you, we done
1: this forever? Then why hasn't that been the show? That's a, that's a great call, and maybe maybe this is the
0: the first uh, the beginning right, of before the, you get the, out. The before thing. you get out, give us your pick. I, I say Kansas City. I've said Kansas City from the top. Uh, Kansas City, it's just a question of whether it's by uh, a touchdown or or whether it's a blowout. I'm leaning toward blowout right now, but uh, I don't think there's any doubt Kansas City's going to win this game. All right. All right. So okay. I will leave, and you guys can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're just going to ha- wrap up. Don't worry. All right. Fine. All right. Goodbye. All right, everyone. Good luck. Thank you very much. I whatever you're doing, it. good luck. Is it court? Court? Court case? Yeah. No. It's okay. It's an interview. It's an all interview. Right. Across wow. the country, for crying out loud. Wow. A phone interview with a company in San Francisco. How about that, John? You're moving to San Francisco, are you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I doubt this interview is going to go well, but if well, it did, perhaps. Yeah.
1: All right. Fair enough. All right. Get, all get right. lost. Derek and I will finish this up. Um, I you know, Derek, I I I don't disagree with Mark. I have, for all the reasons that we talked about, where uh, where uh, maybe Tampa Bay does present as tough a, a, a an opponent as you could find. I I don't I don't think this is going to be a field goal game. I don't know if I think it's going to be Kansas City just shaking loose late. Um, or if they're going to dominate throughout, uh, I do think you know Brady does have a tendency. You know, maybe late in the game they can put something together, but I see this as Kansas City. It's probably in my mind going to be a ten-point game, forty-one to thirty-one, something on that order.
2: Um, yeah. w- w- what 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 is your what are you seeing? I'm I'm going to say like thirty-seven, you know, twenty-six, something of that nature. I mean, I think that Kansas City ends up, you know, just kind of outrunning them. Literally, uh, this is. I think there's just too many weapons and um the fact that they were able to even put this roster together with the salary cap and yeah. how everything is and defensively, and you really got studs at all three levels um on the offense and defensive side for Kansas city. I mean, well now not as much on the offensive line, but um, it, it's going to be tough, man. I, I just, I just, I think it's so difficult now on the flip side, you know, obviously Tampa has some very dangerous weapons. Antonio Brown was a, uh, a, a contributor in the last five regular season games, five touchdowns in five games. So I think when he is at his peak, he is arguably one of the best receivers in the game. Yeah. Obviously he's not the same player. He was in Pittsburgh, um, but he doesn't have to be with no, this offense to be. No, he could be the number three receiver. And, you know, if you're getting the number three receiver treatment as Antonio Brown, <laughs> that's pretty dangerous. You yeah. I and mean? so, um, I think Chris Godwin is due for a big day too. I think yeah. Way- somebody uh, also, I think I think our old friend Greg Cosell, uh,
1: who we, we both respect, was talking about. Uh, I think he said Cameron Brate's name. He said, yeah. you know, Brady ever Brady, uh, and with the Patriots, somebody steps up that's not the name that you think a lot of times, and that uh, he's developed a better relationship with him. To your point with with Brady and his receivers. They didn't have the off-season. They didn't have the preseason yeah. games. It's all new for them, and it's a work in progress. But somebody like that stepping up and making plays, because if you're on – can for Kansas City, that's not the guy you're paying attention to, because we spent a lot of time on the guys on uh, for Kansas City that you have to pay attention to uh, for Tampa. There are a yeah. lot of guys you have to pay attention yeah. to as well, so your defense is up against it.
2: But I, it, mean, if, I think that camera braid stuff has started because when they go 12 personnel, we talked about a little bit earlier – is, you know, you really have to figure out how they're going to deploy Gronk as an extra yeah. tackle or they're going to deploy him in the pass game. I mean, there's so many different things that he could do. And they try to do some different wrinkles. Like they put Antonio Brown in the backfield on one and it looks like he had never been in the backfield before. <laughs> and they like ran him on a wheel route. And I don't remember what happened. I think like the pass fell incomplete or something like that. But they try to do all these little different wrinkles and stuff. But I think that that 12 personnel, I think that that's why Greg is saying that because that 12 could give some matchup issues and force a defense that likes to be a nickel and dime go into their base, Mm -hmm. have linebackers trying to cover tight ends that are athletic and could run in space. But then if you go nickel, you have smaller guys that can run, but they might get bodied up by, by a bigger tight end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, that was, that was kind of the talk as everybody looks for what the keys would be for the, for the big upset. Um, All right. Well, as always, thanks. It's going to be, it's going to be a show either way, and I, you know, I can I can hear the NFL films if uh, if if it works out the way I think. As they talk about the old master had one less than you know bullet in his chamber, but it wasn't yeah. enough to kill the can. You know, you can just see because there's no give up in in Tom Brady, and again, you, you've got to be disciplined as a defense. Um, against uh, against a Brady, uh, but God, if, if the one person he probably did not want to see on that other sideline is uh, Steve Spagnola because that's you know again get with the ta- with what they have on defense, um, not quite as good up front obviously as the, those Giants teams were that gave him trouble. But uh, yeah. it, he, it's going to be could yeah. be a very very long day. And you again, can I'm- mind,
2: too that the all the Chiefs losses in the Patrick Mahomes area era, area. Era, uh, <laughs> they've averaged 31 points. <laughs> like, okay. You got so you're a, not uh, seeing the
1: Rams got, and the Patriots of a couple of years ago. <laughs> you got a four plus two to beat. All right. Well, that's that'll that'll uh people un, unlike people who aren't like me, which are guys who like pitching duels in baseball and love nothing more than a three to two football game, are not gonna well, be very happy.
2: I love that Super Bowl. We're yeah. not gonna get it. it. And I was sitting here going, Oh, man, they ran like match quarters and took away the deep crosser and the corner is trailing over the top and they're like, shut up there.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I'm fascinated by it too. I am yeah. absolutely fascinated by that. And if Todd Bowles can slow down that Kansas City defense and comes up with something, I'll. To Mark's point, you know the one we always go back to is Belichick against the K Gun in uh, with the Buffalo, yeah. Thing where no one could, you know, we, we had the same discussion. Well, if the Giants are going to beat them, they're going to have to put up, you know, 40 points, and you know they didn't really have to do that. But uh, so Belichick isn't in this game, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? Absolutely. I wonder. How many phone calls he took from, uh, from 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 Kansas City and yeah, well I'm tell you this, and I'm sure that all the sports people up here are losing their minds up in New England because like it's a deep divide of whether you know you love Tom Brady or he's like a traitor and everybody hates him. It's sports talk radio has been gold <laughs> content this year. I can imagine it's just been absolute gold.
1: What's it running for? Uh, uh, if you had to break it down, uh, as to fans in New England who are like, listen, he gave it, he gave it everything for us, we, and fans yeah.
2: were like, screw him, he should have never left. Well, um, there's like two, there's like two sides of it. It's either yeah. you burned your jersey, or you bought a Bucks jersey. <laughs> like, there's no like, hey, I, like I still wear my Tom Brady jersey and everything else, but like, it's. I want to say it's probably around 60, 40. Like, they still love Brady. Yeah. But there's still that 40 that's like very, very stingy. And it's like, uh, don't like him. And, you know, fans are. And and then they have to cheer for Kansas
1: City. And I'm sure there's no love loss for the Chiefs in New England either. So, I mean, what, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it, it's a it's a Sophie's choice, as I like to say. All right, well, uh, we're almost at the end of this season. Again, can't thank you enough for stopping in and talking to us. I'm sure you'll be back next week, and we will break this down, and we'll all be wrong, and Tampa Bay will have won a nine to nothing game, and it will be you know remarkable. You know, either way, again, we got the Super Bowl we really wanted because it's going to be a back to back championship, which we haven't seen since ninety seven ninety eight. Or Tom Brady is going to end all conversation. I, no one will allow conversation from now on about the goat um and uh, all these people who are saying well patrick mahomes wins one more he's already the goat it's like bump the brakes guys (laughs) he's got a long career ahead of him Derek abbott assistant coach at the coast guard academy uh the pride of freedom high school just down the road uh thanks so much uh former robert morris quarterback it's just your accolades there are too many i'm just a fat middle-aged guy uh thanks thanks so much and we'll talk to you next
2: week brother thanks Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Let's do some draft talk, too. Quarterback evals. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, and also, <laughs>
1: uh, and also, you know, we, we might have to have you on to talk about quarterback movement, though I think people are overstating it. I think there are going to be less changes than people think. And I'm still 50 50 on Deshaun Watson, whether or not they talk him into staying there because they're going to do, they're going to give him everything but oil in the oil industry in Houston to keep him yeah. there as, <laughs> as well as well they should. All right, folks, thanks for listening. For uh, the departed Mark Ferreira and uh, Derek Abbott, I'm John. I'm Helke. You've and listen to after further review. We'll talk to you next week. Have fun. Super Bowl weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.